right, we are back at it again with another episode. And today I have someone that has legitimately been in and out of my life, I think, for for years now, man. We've uh, we've connected back and forth through various means, and and I'm glad that we could finally do this. Uh, at some point, we'll have to do it in person, but I'm glad that you are here today, Matt. I really appreciate you making the time for it. Dude, welcome in, man. Yeah, pumped to be here. I, I love what you build and, and excited to, to finally be a part of it. Yeah. So, dude, I mean, I think that some people have a little bit of background on you that already listened to the podcast, right? Brawl for a Cause founder, you know, chess boxing. Hey, you won the world championship. Like a lot of things have going on, but like that's who everyone has known Matt is up to this point. Like I've seen some, some definitely some, some new developments in your life and, and some new things that you've jumped into. Do you want to talk about what is most important to you that you're working on now? Yeah, first and foremost, what's always most important is is health, uh, and and we're we're in a good space, good container to to talk about that on this podcast. But uh, always putting, um, you know, staying alive before anything else. If I'm not alive, mm-hmm. I can't do anything else. So uh, health enough. is is first and foremost, uh, and then once I fill that cup, I can overflow into the other things, the the family, the friends. Uh, and then the passions. So uh, I, I love building businesses around my passions. You you mentioned a few, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I also I, I keep my my personal life pretty private and uh, and my passions pretty public, uh, which is why you may have you know heard of brawl for calls or chess boxing or or some of the other projects. Uh, but yeah, happy to dig into to any and all of the above. Yeah, man. Now, can can you walk us back through how do you even get to chess boxing? Because I, I know know that you were a boxer first, right? And I know that that maybe goes all the way back. No, you weren't. You played chess first. Yeah. So oh, I, I here we go. <laughs> grew up with a single mom. Um, she had me in in after school programs and you know all, all kinds of extracurriculars because uh, she had to work. So uh, after school, um, two days a week, starting as soon as I started school, was chess club. Uh, so I grew up playing chess, um, first learning in the container of, of, you know, school and, and just kind of like as a, as a hobby, but, uh, but pretty soon started playing in weekend tournaments and working the way up through state and regional and, and whatever else. But at the same time, I, I was, I was in other after school activities. So, um, I, I was in martial arts. I grew up doing Taekwondo and I was in team sports depending on the season. So, Soccer, baseball, uh, you, know, you, you name it. Um, uh, just trying out and, and seeing what I gravitated towards. And, uh, and so as I grew, uh, I, I became a lot more uh, into the, the, the activities that had me around my friends and in the sunlight. So chess kind of started declining uh, in terms of my interest level and team sports like, like soccer predominantly uh, started rising. So I got recruited for soccer to to colleges. I uh, decided to play at, at Georgia. It wasn't as serious as a program, um, and so I played my freshman and sophomore year. and uh, And at the same time, in in our off season, I started uh, trying out boxing, which Taekwondo is is a kick heavy martial art. Mm-hmm. Boxing was kind of balancing me out, so I, I could learn I could learn hands. And I, I fell in love with it so much so that I, I wanted to stop playing soccer and start competing for uh, the, the Georgia boxing team. So I actually started boxing really late when it comes to career boxers. Uh, most, you know, learn how to box when they start walking, they're competing in 
uh, you know, hundreds or over, at least over a hundred amateur fights before they even think about, you know, Golden Gloves, Olympics, pro, that kind of track. Um, you know, I, I had about a dozen, a little bit more fights uh, before I, I started competing more regionally. So um, started boxing in college and uh, and I, I've always had kind of rough shoulders so we can talk about injuries and prehab and rehab and all that kind of stuff yeah. uh because i unfortunately have a lot of experience with that um but after a shoulder injury uh, I, I needed to get a, a surgery and that's how chess boxing found me i i was sitting in a recovery bed uh, i was playing a lot of online chess chess was a, a hobby throughout my life even after i stopped stopped competing and um and i was watching a lot of youtube videos and YouTube literally served me a video. It auto-played. I didn't even click on it. It auto-played me a video. That was chess boxing. And that's how I found the sport. Sheesh. How long ago was that? I was recovering from surgery in 2016. So, yeah, uh, like spring 2016. 2016 was kind of your initial intake into uh, into chess boxing as a sport. And really just consuming the content because I I, I was getting chubby in a recovery bed. Uh, I wasn't in in fight shape. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I started watching the videos, reading the articles, tracked down the the contact information for the founder of Chess Boxing, Ipe Rupin, and reached out to him. I was like, yo, love, well, you know, I love what you created. I, I feel like I was born for it and I'd love to to participate in it somehow. And uh, and he said, when when I get healthy, uh, reach back out and he'll he'll plug me in. Okay. So, so it was literally from from scrolling YouTube, something that a lot of us and, and maybe Matt, you fall in the same <laughs> same place. If I get stuck on YouTube on a topic that I like, I don't get off YouTube. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I, I, I think social media and, and particularly Google, which owns YouTube, gets a bad rap for how much data they have on you, how they use their algorithm, how to kind of mm -hmm. trap you in in these, uh, you know, rabbit holes. But I think that's bullshit. I, it, it, it is an incredible tool. And if you have willpower and discipline, it won't waste your time. It'll enhance your life. It, you know, it, it serves you exactly what you feed it. So yeah. I was feeding it a lot of martial arts and chess. It served me a life-changing sport that I probably wouldn't have found otherwise. I wasn't out there looking for new hybrid sports that I could compete in. It found me based off of my search history, my, you know, the YouTube videos I'd watch, which are a lot of like old boxing fights to study and, uh, and me playing a shit ton of, of online chess, you know, and, and here you go. Here's a new life. Here's a world championship. Here's the, the first person to represent your country competing in a sport internationally. Uh, you know, all things that I can never have dreamed up or written on a vision board or pursued, you know, it, it was, it was handed to me. Yeah. No, and when I say I get lost on YouTube, I I don't mean that it necessarily means <laughs> that it means that it's negative, uh, but I definitely get down the rabbit hole, start looking at ads, start looking at coaching stuff, start looking at and and of course it I, I'm honestly glad that <laughs> that Google has this much information on me so that I don't get bird videos, cat videos, and paint drying on the wall. I mean, ain't nobody really trying to do that anyways. Uh, but yeah, it's it's funny since I I've started dating my girlfriend, mm -hmm. uh, the the intake of uh, cute, mostly pitbull videos has gone up dramatically because that's like all we send <laughs> back and forth to each other. It's like there's there's a pitbull incoming to, yeah. to our our little <laughs> household here, and uh, 
And it's funny how, how introducing someone else into your life also uh, introduces more data into your algorithm. You know, I, I, I wasn't sending Pitbull videos prior to, you know, a year ago. Uh, so my, my feed looks drastically different today than it did, you know, uh, 2022 and, and before. Yeah. And, and so let's go back to, to when you stopped uh, chess, like how, about how high did you get before you got into more team sports when you were younger? And, and I mean, it obviously fizzled out because you want to do more stuff out in the sun, but I mean, was there anything in the back of your head that I thought maybe I'll get back to this. Uh, it, it's always been a part of my life. I, I just kind of, you know, chess teaches you to think moves ahead. I thought moves ahead with a career in chess. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, a lot of being alone studying. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of smelly, uh, you know, church common rooms where you, you you play tournaments. A lot of, you know, not that much fun, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, yeah. It, and and so yeah, I mean, I I was I was good at it I, for my age group. I I would win tournaments. I would win time, you know, especially the quicker chess. Um, and I, I was president of my high school chess club. I uh, I, I ended up at University of Georgia while I was on the boxing team. I was I was student body director of finance, so I got to allocate uh, this this big budget of UGA's funds to student organizations, and. In the history of University of Georgia, the chess club has never been better funded than during my <laughs> tenure. Um, <laughs> so it's it's always been a passion. It's just yeah. not a you know it, it just wasn't how I wanted to spend my time as a energetic little kid. Yeah, want to go a different direction. Well, it it somehow got you back to a place where you know how to box, you know how to do Muay Thai, you know how to you know how to do chess. You win the world championship, and then you start another organization that incorporates the striking and your yogic background that, um, that is another life-giving thing. I mean, it doesn't seem like you could have reverse engineered and, and put these dots together by yourself, huh? Um, yeah. I mean, I look, I, I think you're referring to fight and flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I have a thing for two antithetical or, or opposite things that end up going together, which yeah. I, I think is, kind of the, the the basis or the core the the fabric of of humanity this this concept of balance or yin and yang equal mm-hmm. opposites you know it, it's uh you know it's it's fighting and it's philanthropy for for yeah. brawl for a cause it's it's brain and it's brawn for for chess boxing and and my newest project my, my newest company is is fight and flow it's it's basic martial art movements combined with yoga for a full body workout you can do anywhere without equipment and it was born, I mean, like a decade ago was, was the ideation for it, but it was really uh, bred during COVID. And, and with this idea that, are, you know, you can work out and you may need to work out anywhere without any kind of equipment. How do you do that effectively? How do you do that safely? And how do you, you take care of your whole body? Um, and, uh, and, and so, yeah, that's, that's when it started and, and how it grew. Yeah. And, and so let's, let's push back to injury. What, what was the, I mean, what was the gravity of the injury? How did it happen? What was it? And let's start there. Yeah. So again, grew up with a single mom, had, uh, had babysitters periodically growing up. And one of my babysitters uh, was, was holding me by my wrists and swinging me around like, you know, like, like little Superman? kids. Oh my around. Goodness. Yeah. Um, and, and both my shoulders came out of socket. So, um, it wasn't necessarily her fault. I was born with hypermobile joints. 
So both my shoulders have, have come out over a hundred times. Uh, my, my knee is dislocated. I, I, it's just something that is uh, part of my, my makeup. Um, and, you know, there's good and, and bad things about my genetics, just like your genetics, just like everyone's listening's genetics. Um, so, you know, on, on a positive side, uh, you know, I, I build and retain muscle uh, more efficiently and effectively than, than, a, than an average median kind of human. Um, but, you know, on the other side of things, I get injured a whole lot more, and especially when it comes to, to, to joint health. So I had to get really good pretty early on at, at prehabbing and rehabbing. Um, it, it was only a matter of time before the next dislocation. When one happens, uh, another subsequent dislocation is exponentially more likely. Um, it's just the nature with, uh, with that kind of injury. Um, once it happens once, it's kind of a slippery, slippery slope downhill. So all through high school, um, it was coming out. Uh, one of the reasons I chose soccer is I was less dependent on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the benefits of hypermobile joints is, is I had really good shoulder flexibility. So I, on, on, on soccer throw-ins, I, I could take the ball back all the way back to my butt, mm-hmm. um, which gave me a lot more torque and ability to, to have long throw-ins, which turned into a an asset for for my club team and my high school team. My high school team ended up going to to the Georgia State Championships all four years I was in high school. Uh, and for two of those four years, I was the top assister on the team playing defense. I was center back. <laughs> so it, it was all like these long throw-ins that basically worked like corner kicks. And we had plays built around them where we had we had someone crashing back post pretty much every time. The the goalie would underestimate my throw and then we would we would crash the back of the net. And, um, and score a lot of goals that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it would come out so much and, and it was less of an issue when I was a kid, cause you're so resilient and, uh, and, and so gung ho about your sport and competing and that's number one priority. Uh, but as I got older and ran out of stem cells, <laughs> um, it became a, a lot more painful. And, uh, and so I, I ended up getting, uh, an open bank heart surgery on my right shoulder. Um, and I'm, I'm holding off getting surgery on this left shoulder, which will probably happen eventually, but, um, I'm, I'm experimenting with some, uh, non-invasive, uh, options before I, I go under the knife again. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Oh, you said open bank heart. Is that what that's called? Yeah. So that there's a bank heart, uh, which is orthoscopic. They don't, cut you open. And then an open bank heart is when they, they give you a six inch in, incision here. And then, um, yeah. they, they unattach all of the, the ligaments in your shoulder. Um, they remove any kind of, uh, gunk, uh, that is built up because of repetitive injury. And then they burn a bunch of scar tissue in the, in the, usually in the front of the joint, but wherever, whichever side it, it typically dislocates and that kind of holds it in place. And then they reattach all the ligaments over that burnt scar tissue. Uh, and then they wow. sew you back up and you sleep sitting up for six weeks. Uh, you can't do pretty much anything for six months, including you think you could like run or do some cardio, but uh, it's really high impact coming down on, you know, pavement or even a track. Uh, so they don't want any, any of that kind of impact on your shoulder. So it's, it's a lot of stationary bike and, uh, and a lot of online chess. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I, I mean, was that kind of the first time that you had been aggressively immobilized? Like, cause it sounds like you were a pretty active, active kid and then a pretty active 
high schooler and, and college, like is it the first time you really had to be completely immobile? No, I, I've had knee injuries. I, I dislocated my patella my junior year of high school. Big recruiting in the world for, for soccer. Um, I, I I've torn my MCL. Uh, I, I had to remove about eighty percent of my my lateral meniscus in my knee. Uh, so my left knee, especially, um, you know, stuff like running isn't good for it. Meniscus's job in your knee is is to provide like padding, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, so where most knees have a hundred percent of the padding that you're born with, and it's already kind of rough on your knee to to run a lot. I only have 20% of it left, and it deteriorates over the course of your life. So, yeah, I mean, plenty plenty of injuries. My yeah. my wrist is messed up from punching stuff, and um, it's just you know it's part of doing what you love. If you love doing high high contact, high activity kind of things. Yeah. So, I mean, where where did you come up with uh, with it being at that point that you did the did the surgery? Like, not as opposed to waiting or as opposed to going under the knife earlier. Yeah, cost efficiency. I, I was 26 uh, and and about to turn 27 mm-hmm. and lose my parent or no, 25, about to turn 26 and about to lose uh, my additionally insured on my parents insurance, which was a much better insurance policy than the one that I could get as a, you know, quarter life male. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I knocked out a, a knee surgery and a shoulder surgery like three months before my my parents insurance ran out. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and so. Yeah, that's that's actually really smart. I think a lot of people that that have things that are going to come at some point maybe should think about doing that kind of thing because uh, yeah, it's very expensive to be doing not attached to another company or what have you like on own insurance. Good good luck, dude. Good luck. So when you were recovering, you said it was it was six weeks up straight or six months up straight. Six weeks sleeping upright. So you're you're in a uh, you're in a fixed position uh, okay. brace that. Okay that your, your arm needs to stay in. And if you lay back, your, your arm is essentially straight up. Um, so, you know, all the blood rushes out of your, your arm, mm-hmm. blood is necessary for recovery. It's what brings the, the, uh, components of your body that help you heal to the parts that need healing. Um, so you don't want blood pooling. You want good circulation yeah. while you sleep. So they, they tell you to sleep upright. I, I basically slept in a lazy boy for, uh, for six weeks. Okay. Man, been been through the ringer, man. Been through the ringer. So, but I mean, where in that in that recovery did you uh, did you talk to the owner of Chess Boxing, or did you get affiliated with him? Was that the beginning, or no? Like like maybe like two weeks into recovery or something. It was towards the beginning. Um, and uh, yeah, just sent him like you know cold email and and you know something. I, I think a lot of people. Uh, underestimate a cold DM or a cold email, but mm-hmm. um, it's led to some of the best things in my my life. I mean, I, you know, chess boxing, one of them. But I, I sent a cold DM to to you know this content creator named Ludwig, who's one of the biggest content creators in the world, um, and ended up you know uh, becoming co-host of his 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 chess boxing event that won best streamed event of the year uh, because of a of an Instagram DM. Um, so it's it's something That's that. I highly, <laughs> highly recommend if, if, if it pops in your head, it's like, I should reach out to that person, do it, do it again, do it politely, persistently, uh, seek to provide value. Um, don't just like reach out to people asking for stuff, but, uh, but you know, it, it's, uh, it's something that, that works. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and so you slept upright for six weeks and then what did, what did the rest of the recovery look like for that? Like when did you start getting back to boxing? 
Uh, after six months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of rehab. So you get back as soon as six weeks is over, they get you in rehab like the next day. So as soon as you're out of the brace, they start working on mobility, but, but basically like you aren't going up uh, any further than about 45 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and you aren't going uh, back any, any further than uh, like, you definitely can't get past 90. Um, so they, they start first with mobility, then with strengthening, um, and one of the first things that they cleared me to do was actually play the drums. Um, but what, what they want you to avoid is a- any kind of motion back here or back here, mm-hmm. which obviously, you know, punches you, you can't really do, yeah. but all drumming is like right, right in front of you. So I, I spent like three months doing nothing but learning how to play drums. Um, I, I, I got a drum set and I live, uh, with, with a punk rock band and the, the drummer would just like come downstairs and, and, uh, and teach me how to, <laughs> how to play. <laughs> wow. So it was kind of anything that you could do to get moving to speed up the recovery. Yeah. I don't do well since still. So, so, um, re- recovery. Um, yeah, I, I, I need to be learning something or, or, or doing something or, you know, progressing somehow. Yeah. Okay. So the, the injury you got off. So the knee, does the knee healed up too? I mean, outside of you having only 20% of it. Yeah. Knee's okay. I mean, I, I stay away from like, I'm, like I'm probably not going to be doing Ironmans, you know, that, that's yeah, not fair enough and life journey. Um, but, uh, but I, I can do other things, you know? Yeah. A, a lot of biking, you know, it, it, biking is low impact. It's still high cardio and it, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's good. So once you recovered and you, so you started doing mobility and, and some prehab rehab, and then you got back to, did you get back to boxing immediately after that? Once you were cleared or. Pretty much. Yeah. I miss it a lot. I mean, it's one of my favorite things. So. Um, even before I was cleared, I, I was shadow boxing. Uh, I was just avoiding contact. You know, contact is really what they want you to stay away from. Yeah. Um, but I, I could still build muscle memory. One of the best, best things you can do while learning uh, how to be a better boxer is, is shadow box. It's visualization. It's, it's building good, uh, technique and, and, and the muscle memory, uh, that, that when you do start incorporating in contact or sparring, you already have a really good base to, to build on. Yeah. And so you, so you get back to shadow boxing and then is that when you had started your chess boxing journey? Like, is that the year that you tried to go international or like, when did that come about? Um, no, I mean, I, I wasn't in touch with Ipe for like a year or over a year. I mean, I, I had to get back in shape. Um, and I wanted to spar again or compete again before I was like, you know, put me in coach. Um, but yeah, about a year and a half later, I, I reached back out. It was, uh, like early 2018 and, um, and I asked him, you know, Hey, if there are any events this year or, or you know, if, even if I can come to one and just see it in person, uh, I, I'd like to, and I'm ready. And, uh, he said that the only event that, that I would be able to enter was the world championship. And that's because no American had ever competed in the world championship. So I was just kind of default in if I wanted to, to participate. And, um, and so I, I decided to lean into that, that opportunity and, um, and that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And was that like six months of training to get to that date or was it three months from the time you talked to him or was it two weeks or what? I mean, what are we talking? Um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was an eight week camp. Uh, the conversation probably happened like 12 weeks out, 11 weeks out. So 
Um, I had a little bit of time to plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd saved up enough money to make training my full-time job. And, uh, and, and then through my nonprofit brought for a cause, we, we did a fundraising campaign, um, mostly for the, the brawlers that had gone through our program. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just reached out to them and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm about to do what you did. You know, I, I, I believe in this thing brawl for a cause. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I want to compete for it. And of course I can't compete in my my own events. Um, you know, I, I work on them and I commentate in them and, and that kind of thing. But, um, but, you know, I, I, I want to do, I, I want to walk the walk and, and fight the fight. I don't want to just talk the talk. Um, and, and they support it in a big way, uh, to help raise money, to fly over to Calcutta, India, to, um, to, to take on the, the best people in the world at chess boxing. Yeah. And at that point, had you already been doing boxing and chess at the same time? Had you already had practice doing that? Or is that like kind of, Hey guys, uh, I need uh, a training camp and I'm just going to start doing chess in between rounds or did you find chess boxing people and do it? No, I mean, but kind of by default, if, if I'm the first person from the States mm-hmm. to compete on an international level, it, it was very difficult to find training partners. Um, there, there's a guy in LA that had been doing it as a hobby, Andrew McGregor. Uh, there was a guy in Seattle that had flown over and competed in like a underground show in London. Uh, David Depto, both of them helped inform my training, but I couldn't meet up with them um, to, you know, do anything real that, that would mimic what, what kind of competition I, I would be facing in India. So I, I had to cobble together my own training program, which, uh, you know, I'm glad I did because a lot of people are, are asking for it now They they want to start training chess boxing and they might not have people nearby them to, to be able to train with. So you can mimic, you can mimic a lot of this, the same things that you're going to be encountering when you compete alone. You, You really just need a high heart rate and some adrenaline in your system to practice chess effectively through the lens of chess boxing. And then you need to practice state change management to be able to psych up your central nervous system from zero back to a hundred to, to prime, to get ready to fight again. Wow. Uh, so you're not so, walking in there cold. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah five minutes down. Is a long down time. So a, a minute in between rounds, three minutes of chess, and then a minute in between rounds is five minutes of total downtime. That's enough time for you to exit that fight or flight, uh, kind of state that that you need to be in when you're when you're fighting, um, and you want to get out of that state as soon as possible because that state actually hurts you while you're playing chess. So there's two parts of your brain that that you primarily use during chess boxing. One is the the really primal part of your brain, the the reptilian part that that evolved first, and that's fight or flight, that's survive, and that's what you use when you fight, and then. Uh, the, the prefrontal cortex is, is what you use for pattern recognition, visualization, and strategic thought. And that's the part of your brain that's best to use when you're playing chess. Uh, so the sooner that you can switch between those two parts of your brain and use more of its capacity for it, the more you're, you're using your potential. Uh, you, you can face a grandmaster in chess, uh, but if they aren't using the part of their brain that makes them a grandmaster, you're playing a, a child. Um, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to undermine themselves subconsciously. So you, you want to be able to manage your state in between rounds and, and prime for whatever's coming next. I mean, in that 12 weeks, how long did it take you to, to figure out one that you need to switch between and then two, 
actually implement the switch effectively? Yeah, that's where the seeds for fight and flow come in. Uh, I, I was a certified yoga teacher. I, I had done my 200 hour and I had this tool belt of yoga for both recovery uh, and for priming. And uh, and so I, I used two uh, techniques in, in pranayama or breath work to be able to prime for each activity. I used what's called Kabbalah Bhati or, or fire breathing. If you're familiar with Wim Hof, he adapted uh, his breathing technique from yoga. Um, it's, it's essentially hyperventilating, over oxygenating the bloodstream and, and, and tricking your body into believing that it's, it needs to survive, that it's in danger. And, uh, and so I do that in between rounds before a boxing round. And then, uh, and then I, I use a breath called Samavriti or box breathing uh, in order to calm down my central nervous system, uh, lower my heart rate, signal to my body that's okay to dump adrenaline and, and relax. And that helps me shift back to prefrontal cortex, strategic thinking, pattern recognition kind of brain. Sheesh. So it almost like another, another thing that was yin yang set up almost perfectly in, in your background to be in a position where, wow, if I implement this that I already know, and I implement this that I already know, here we go. We got something here. Yeah. If there's anything that, you know, this particular life is for, if you believe in a meaning of life or, mm -hmm. or purpose or Dharma, um, this life is, is definitely duality. It's, it's, it's balanced between opposites. It's, you know, that, 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 this, this, this brain, this body is, is that expressed, uh, both through my athletic pursuits, through my businesses, it's, you know, everything kind of centers around that idea. Yeah. Okay. So you figure this out like four weeks in, eight weeks in, 10 weeks in, what are you, what are you thinking? Like in your, in your training camp, no, putting I mean, these two together, you knew that before. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 on the surface, chess and boxing is two antithetical or, or opposite mm -hmm. things, but they, they have a ton of similarities. Uh, one and two, you, you need to be able to do both as effectively as you can. Uh, so it, it was, it was second nature to me, but, but people in our community hadn't been actively practicing breath work in between rounds before. And, and I, I pioneered or, or championed that uh, in 2018 and now it's common practice. Um, I, I, you know, going into the 2018 world championship, I had never chess boxed before. So I, you know, and I, I certainly wasn't the best chess player and I certainly wasn't the best boxer, but what I was best at was, was the state change management in between rounds. Dang. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. I didn't even know that that was a thing. That is, that is, that is wild. So is that, I mean, after that camp, is that when you knew that like the idea for fight and flow to be something that you wanted to do down the road came, or is that not there kind of in the back of your head? No, it was way before chess boxing. Um, it, it was it was in college because my, my college girlfriend made fun of me for doing yoga uh, while I was boxing. And I, I was doing yoga to try to, like, you know, be more flexible, be more mobile, recover after an injury. And she was like, I thought I was dating a badass boxer, not a sissy yoga boy. And I was like, well, why can't I be both? You know, like, why, what, you know, why, why can't both exist at the same time? Um <laughs> And that, that was the seed and that was the, the, the impetus. So yeah, maybe like 2011, 2012, I think. Yeah. So 2011, 2012, that, that comes, comes to you and you, you're implementing it. And then when did you, when did you form fight and flow? Oh, I, I got the, uh, I mean, I have to look at the records, but I mean, maybe like 
six, seven years ago, I got the handles, the domain, the everything. Um, You're on it. I just pick, <laughs> you know, I pick up a bunch of domains when I have yeah. ideas for stuff, just in case, like if it's available and then, you know, two years later, I'm ready to actually like put time and effort into it and start it and someone else has scooped it up. Like that's a worst case scenario. Now you have to go yeah. like buy it for 10x the cost from some guy that, you know, just decided to get it for the four ninety nine or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I reserved it on all social media and stuff a, a while ago. And I, I have that for a lot of other projects. I'll probably never get to. Um, I, yeah. I have a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of ideas. Um, and I, I'm a starter, not a scaler. So I, I, um, uh, I try to keep track of, of what I think is worth starting. Mm-hmm. And I, I end up serving a lot of, uh, my ideas to others that I think are well suited for them that that I know that I I probably won't do. Fair enough. So you you raise the money from from past brawlers, right? You do this fight camp, this this cobbled together fight camp in in your own words, where you put yourself through this. You have not chess boxed legitimately until you get there. Now, is this a tournament style? Is this a one fight and that's it? Is it a round robin? How how's it how's it work? Yeah. I mean, some, sometimes you fight multiple times in a day. Uh, fortunately I, I didn't have to do that. Um, but it, I mean, it's, it was two weeks in India. I got there early to acclimate to time zone. Um, and, uh, and to lose the last bit of my weight to make my weight class. Um, but yeah, once you weigh in, uh, competition starts the next day and goes for four more days. So five days total. Um, and then, yeah, you, you fight, uh, like March Madness style, like bracket style until the championship. Uh, so you, you, you kind of draw seeds. They don't do dynamic, uh, placement where you're like ranked. We don't really have like a, a good funnel to accurately rank people. So we just do it randomly. Uh, so in theory, you know, like a, a championships caliber match could be in the very first round just because, the two best happen to draw unlucky straws against each other. Yeah. Okay. And is it, is this weight class or is it all, is it just country representation? All weight class. All yeah. weight class. What would you fight at? 90 kilogram, uh, which is like 197.5 pounds. Okay. When you were, when you were boxing amateur or, or any other stuff, is that kind of what you were, what you were fighting at or is that what you were lighter. walking around lighter? I was lighter because when I was competing amateur, I was in college mm-hmm. uh, and I, I hadn't fully grown into to my bones yet. Um, so I, I was fighting like light heavyweight, like 184. Okay. Okay. And about, I, I walk around at like 215. Walk around at 215. I'm six yeah. foot one. Okay. Yeah. We're, we're very similar weight, different composition, but very similar weight. Uh, I walk I, right now. I'm like 220. <laughs> nice. I can imagine getting under 200. I mean, it, it really wouldn't be that hard with some wrestling cutting, but um, I assume that's probably how it went for you to get to 197. Not too, not too bad to get to 90 keys. I, I hate cutting weight. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I wrestled in junior high and, and uh, beginning high school. I could have made 85 kilogram. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not that big of a stretch, uh, but I, when I competed, I was more like 205, 210. Uh, so it wasn't a terrible weight cup. I didn't want to be super uncomfortable, especially in India. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to pack most of my own food getting over there. So I didn't want to take any chances with uh, food poisoning. So it, it, yeah, I mean, weight cut is just science. 
you know, it's calories in, calories out, water weight. Um, so yeah, just, just did good planning. And, and my teammate in 2018, Kevin, uh, really knew that well. He, he was a wrestler in college um, and helped me a lot with that. Okay. So you went and competed, you win. And then what does it look like after that? Have you gotten back out, out there outside the U S and competed more? Has it been your reigning champ and, and you're there? Is there, is there tons of other people jumping in? Like, what does that look like these days? Yeah, I, I formed, uh, you know, Team USA Chess Boxing. I, I'm still, uh, you know, the captain and the, the administrator of that. Uh, we, we formed another Team USA to go to the 2019 World Championships, uh, which, which happened just before COVID, December 2019. Um, I competed. I, I placed third. Uh, I lost to a French uh, chess boxer who was about 650 ELO points higher than me. Um, what does that mean? ELO points. Yeah. So ELO is, uh, your, your chess rating. It's, it's your, your chess caliber. So a grandmaster, like a Magnus Carlsen, the highest rated chess player of all time is in like the 2800s. My opponent was, uh, like 2250. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was between 16 and 1700 when I was competing in chess boxing. So um, if that gives you a frame and then like, a, you know, a child would be like, like 400 to 600 ELO. Um, if, if you don't study any chess, if you play occasionally on chess.com or, you know, at a meetup or something, you're probably like 600 to 700 ELO. Okay. Yeah. So I'd be there or below. I've literally never played chess in my life. Not one time. Um, <laughs> it is not something yeah, that we- that, that'd probably be like zero to 50 maybe 50 to a hundred. If, if you like pick it up quick. Yeah. Uh, but. Never played in my life. Um, when I was a kid, we just, I mean, my dad was a Marine. So what we did was a lot of running, a lot of pull-ups, a lot of sit-ups and a lot of yard work. Yeah. Actually a lot of, um, armed forces, uh, veterans, that kind of thing gravitate towards chess boxing because a, a lot of, you know, downtime both in the armed forces and in prison is spent playing chess. And then both are very physical places mm-hmm. so you see a lot of like ex-prisoners and you see a lot of like armed forces dudes uh get into chess boxing yeah no that's that's interesting i mean it, it it makes sense that it would it would bring in people that are both both desiring an intellectual challenge and then also a physical challenge because i mean nobody loves getting hit in the face no matter who you are no matter how long you boxed or i mean maybe maybe you do i don't know maybe trenton gant does i, I don't know i don't i'll tell you that right now uh once once you get over the hill of seeing a punch in the face as like danger or pain mm-hmm. and you see it as a as a lesson it, it becomes maybe like masochistically but it becomes like something you kind of look for because <laughs> it means like you have a, a opportunity to improve somehow um yeah so yeah I, I really don't mind getting punched in the face i um you know, I, I still spar with all the brawlers. I, I still leave myself open so that they can have the light bulb moment of, uh, oh, of scoring open. their head. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it, I get it. You know, it, you probably don't go out of your way to go get punched in the face, uh, as like a normal person, but especially as a fighter, you have to kind of enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the first one that's down to, down to wrap up and go to the ground all day down to do that in dress clothes. That's fine. 
my comfortability is not with my hands. It's on mm-hmm. the ground because <laughs> that's the background, you know? So uh, I guess it is what it is. So 2019, you got third, but from that, from then to now, are you done competing for good for now? Are you like, what, what is that? Your, your team captain, but are you just kind of leading other guys getting into the sport or are you still competing? Yeah. So, so after I was uh, eliminated in, in 2019, the founder of chess boxing, Ipe asked me to co-commentate alongside him for the rest of the world championship. So it was my first time commentating for chess boxing, but I had done it a lot for my own uh, brawl for calls events. Mm-hmm. So I had some experience, but, um, but doing it alongside Ipe for the final, I think it was two days, three days. Um, yeah, because even after I lost lost to the French guy, I showered, changed, came back, and started commentating that day. So, um, yeah, as soon as that world championship was done, Ipe was basically like, listen, uh, you know, I, I think you have a talent for this. Um, we need someone like you in our community to be the voice. Uh, you you need to become the Joe Rogan of of chess boxing. We We need you to... Uh, to promote, to commentate, and um, and to help our sport grow that way. And he didn't necessarily say, like, don't compete anymore. But um, after the first year, and especially after more yoga training, I don't talk about this much publicly, but um, after I, I got deeper into yoga, uh, ahimsa, or, or the idea of loving kindness and harm nothing, started to seep in a lot more subconsciously. And... Um, and the only way that I, I could have won against the French guy was to, to hurt him. I'd knocked him down twice in the first round. He was hurt. Um, and I had to like, like finish him to win three knockdowns in a round is a, is a TKO. And there's something that held me back from it. Um, and, and at, like when I competed more after that, I just have less of a killer instinct, less of a, a, a like deep seated reason um, to knock someone out or to, you know, inflict pain. Um, so, you know, that was kind of happening at the same time that chess boxing needed, you know, more of a, a face voice. Um, and so I, I, I made the decision to start transitioning out of competing. Now, that being said, you know, post, uh, mogul chess boxing championship with Ludwig, there's, there's been some influencer boxing offers and, you know, maybe some exhibition chess boxing kind of offers. Um, so, you know, uh, price is right. And exposure is right. I'll, I'll probably compete again. Um, but when it comes to like going back to the world championship, I'll be ringside with a mic. I won't be in the ring. I can help our community and our sport much better, uh, in that capacity than just being another fighter. Okay. And you mentioned something that that I'd like to understand more on. You, you said there's not so much of a deep seated need or, or uh, a desire to, to inflict on your opponent. I mean, is that something that kind of like something more deep seated that, that led your, your trajectory in boxing in the first place? Um, I, I think it, uh, everything stems from, from ego and childhood trauma. So uh, you know, if you if you look at human psychology through the lens of Freud, you're 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 assessing someone based off of what happened in their childhood, what the relationship with their parents is like, and uh, you know, knowledge of of ego, id, and super ego. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and for me, you know, this has come after years of of therapy and and working on myself. But you know, my my dad left my mom when I was nine months old, um, and after they separated, uh, there was other childhood abandonment kind of episodes that that happened that I I won't go into. Uh, but I I had this psychological dynamic in my life that if I wasn't good enough, people would leave me. So the way that I made myself good enough is by, you know, competing in the ultimate form of, of competition in my mind, which was brain and brawn. I checkmate you or knock, knock out, knock you out. Uh, and, and if there's a big brute that walks into the gym that, you know, is bigger, stronger, faster, whatever, back in my head, I'd be like, I could checkmate that guy. You know, I could outsmart him. And, you know, if there's some, you know, nerd in, in a, in a chess hall, uh, checkmating everyone with a, with a bigger title than I have, then I'll be like, I kicked that guy's ass. And that made me feel better about myself. You know, that, that inflated my ego where I was lacking. And I, I think once I, you know, a combination of things happened to help heal that one, a lot of self-awareness and therapy. I think everyone should be cultivating self-awareness in your own way, whether that's meditation, journaling, uh, talking to someone, fill in the blank. I, I think you should be actively working on it. So taking action on that knowledge, just having the knowledge isn't enough. So do the therapy, do the you, the retreats, do the personal development work. Um, and then, you know, let your life change as a result. We can say stuck in our old patterns. And um, and even with the the knowledge and the work, our, our life can, can not change much. Uh, but but being open to change, non-resistant to change, uh, you know, it can start to unfold. So the big things that happened for me was, was the self-awareness therapy and work coupled with winning a world championship and being like, okay, I can do that. Um, and then, and then the last bit was, was getting a lot deeper into yoga, uh, which, you know, I'm not alone in this. A lot of people see as, as a, uh, as a life philosophy or, or even as a religion kind of replacement. And, um, and a, a lot of the, the teachings of yoga helped inform, you know, my, my desire not to harm anyone and, uh, and believe deeper in this, this karmic balance to life that uh, I, I, I had already believed in and experienced, but just understood in a deeper way and, and knew that, I just had a different role to play moving forward. You know, I, I wouldn't be here being able to fill this role without having done what I did, without having the childhood that I had, without having the, uh, you know, competitive streak where I felt like I needed to beat everyone in order to be worth it um, or worthy. Uh, but, you know, those things led me here and I and acting in accordance with with my truth and, and, and who I am now. It, it doesn't make sense for me to compete at a high level where inflicting pain is, is part of the game. Wow. And it sounds kind of like a transformation, man. Sounds like yoga was part of you and you let it be all of you or fill in gaps that, that you previously had stopped it in, in the door, like didn't let it come into certain rooms and now you're there. Everyone's transforming all the time. I mean, it's, it, it is the only thing that's, that's true. Every second you're a second older. And you're either transforming in a in a positive direction or a negative direction. So it's yeah. I mean, we, I mean, transformation is table stakes for being human. We're we're evolving. You know, it's 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 who we are, what we do. Um, so yeah, def, definitely. 
have changed a lot since I was a little kid, changed a lot since I was, I was competing in chess boxing and I'll continue to change a lot. Okay. So, so you get done, you get done competing. You now, when you say you got into deeper into yoga, was it a specific retreat? Was it an extra training? Was it X more hours on the mat? Was there something there that, that happened that kind of pushed you over? Uh, Kind of. So since 2018, I've been a Lululemon ambassador. Mm-hmm. Um, love that that company and that community. And through that ambassadorship, I had access to a, a Lululemon staff and ambassador only yoga teacher training. So um, I applied for that, got a, a, a spot in it. And uh, the, the unique thing about this yoga teacher training is every other yoga teacher training in the world that I'm aware of is uh, is profit driven. They, the yoga teacher needs to make money in order to continue doing yoga teacher trainings or to continue to run their studio or whatever. This Lululemon one was really unique because they had a massive budget that was for employee engagement and retention. It wasn't intended to make any money. So it was so incredibly over the top uh, and, and so deep with incredible guest speakers, guest teachers, um, and uh most of it being structured in a way that was designed to to enhance learning, not, you know, uh, be cost effective or not to to get a margin. Um, and so, you know, I, I learned from the head of asana for the chopper center, Danielle Mika Nagel. And, uh, and, and we had people come in from, um, you know, billionaires that have applied a, a yogic philosophy to, their life and business and how to integrate it into, you know, their, their vocational pursuits, not just their, their practice on the mat. Uh, we had, you know, um, Deepak Chopra's a personal astrologer who opened up, uh, you know, a, a science to something that I thought was complete bullshit prior to that. Um, and, uh, and then just surrounded by incredible people that were willing to put their life on hold for three months to, to dive deep into, this way to live life that's different and, and unique. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think not just, a yoga teacher training, um, but that particular one, uh, was, was really transformative and, uh, and sparked a fire that that's still burning in me. Did you say three months? Yeah. I think it was 12 weeks long. Yeah, it was really unique. So, so they bookended it with uh, in-person practice. So, so we had an in-person in the Redwood Forest in California. We had people from from six continents, uh, all part of it. So you'd fly in for the first stint of uh, I think it was you know a month three I think it was three weeks, and you would learn all the material, hands-on, chug it uh, intentionally, like not you know, mastered or practiced yet. And then you would go back to your own uh, studios and you would start to teach one-on-one. You started to teach small classes and you'd be taking notes and attending virtual uh, classes to kind of share, hey, here are obstacles we're running into. Here, Here's ways that we navigated them. And, um, and then after a, a period of that, uh, about a month, we, we come back and finish the in-person component with all the knowledge of trying to apply the first in-person. So um, really, really well done way to do it. 
and uh, and you know they they're at least for me like I got a full scholarship to this thing, so they're covering my flights out to California, me staying in the beautiful redwood forest for you know almost two months uh, on the front and back end, uh, plus all the meals, plus all the uh, actual instruction and and um, and so yeah, I mean all, all said and done that the the amount. The amount of time, energy, and resources that Lululemon has invested into me and others like me um, in the health and wellness community is insane. Uh, the, the company does it right, and uh, and I'm so so grateful for them. I'm a you know customer or ambassador, or whatever for life. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was awesome. Man, that sounds. <laughs> That sounds like a lot, a lot in a great way, a lot, a lot in a great way. Sure. But was there was there anyone that you met there that had as much of an impact on you as the experience itself did? Yeah, I mean the the Danielle Mika Nagel, Nagel the person running uh, the the yoga teacher training who designed it after you know, about fifty years of of experience um, in in yoga, growing up with. Uh, yoga and dance uh, and then transitioning to teaching um she's she's also a, on my board of advisors for fight and flow she developed the the asana side of of what we do so um she you know she went from my my teacher to my advisor and now uh you know uh, my my teammate in in building this new fitness concept that uses very old techniques and ways of moving and and just makes them more accessible to a Western audience and specifically to, to middle to older age males. Uh, I think we we need it the most and do it the least. And uh, and if I can be a, a small part in helping more men get into these types of modalities, I you know I think that's um, a, a project, a company, um, you know, time well spent. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is really stopping people though uh, from like men, masculine men? Right from getting into the yoga side, even even fight and flow, blending the two of of the more masculine side and the feminine side. I mean, what do you think is really stopping them? Because it's not access to the information, right? It's packaging. It's it's the way it's being communicated. So so you 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 hear yoga, and as men, we're conditioned to think yoga pants, yoga girls, yoga studio, yoga whatever. You call it something slightly different. You do the same movements but make it a, something that's more attractive or, or accessible. Mm -hmm. They get the same benefit with it being called a, a different name and being delivered a slightly different way. Yeah. And no, that makes sense. Um, all right. And, and I, I think I saw, I think I saw on your social a while ago back in, I mean, I guess it was last year. Did you end up doing fight and flow at imagine? Yeah. So uh, imagine, uh, and, and this is a trend in a lot of, companies similar to Imagine, which I, I can get into, but um, they, they invested in a wellness stage. So uh, I, I was one of the hired facilitators for wellness activities at Imagine, which actually got us artist bands. I got the same band, uh, you know, wristband that, uh, you know, Grizz got, who headlined the whole thing. Um, so it, it's kind of crazy uh, that, you know, now being in health and wellness, being in fitness, uh, with people's focus shifting more to it, especially post COVID, I, I found um, that there's a lot more companies willing to invest in it, uh, which is why I'm I'm doubling down on what I was already doing pre COVID, which was building businesses around my passions, namely 
health and wellness. And, uh, and, and so now, you know, I'm in this, this streamer gaming kind of world and gaming companies are investing heavily in health and wellness. So I, I have five international events coming up where I'm leading fight and flow and wellness breaks on main stages at massive video game competitions, uh, Europe and North America. Um, and, and it's essentially turning into our, our expansion plan for fight and flow. It's, it's paid appearances at major markets so that we can plant seeds and certify people on the front or back end of these massive conferences or competitions. And, um, and, and I always build lifestyle businesses. I'm, I'm not trying to raise a bunch of money and, and be, you know, have a fiduciary responsibility to people that want to make more money off of the money they put in. It's like, I can self-fund these. I can work hard uh, and, and compensate for not having, you know, millions in the bank of other people's money. And, and I can live my life in such a way that leads to organic opportunities to expand and grow, which is, is currently happening. We expanded to New York with our first certification last month. We have six certified trainers that are leading classes in New York and a, a, a partnership with the oldest boxing gym in America, Gleason's, where Muhammad Ali trained, Mike Tyson trained, and now we're a recovery partner. Uh, and, and we're setting up similar partnerships where either there are chess boxing hubs or gaming hubs. So Paris is on the list, London's on the list, LA's on the list, and it, it'll continue from there. Yeah, my man, you have been rocking since I saw you last. Last time I saw you in 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 Kettle Club, dude. Um, maybe some of this was going on behind the scenes, but holy, you have been moving. I've been trying to talk less and do more. Um, that's a <laughs> that's a fair assertion. Fair. I was about to ask you what the uh, what the implementation vehicles look like for Fight and Flow. I, I guess there you go, man. Getting in front of people all over the place. Yeah, I'm getting paid to commentate international chess boxing events. There's a flight there, a hotel there, a flight back. So tack on a, a fight and flow certification, mm-hmm. planting some seeds. It's a, a nice, organic, free, paid way to, to expand. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. They, uh, talking about shooting shots like you were earlier about a cold DM, a cold email. Talk to me about this Ludwig thing. How, how, did, that, how did that come about? What did you hit him up in the first place for? Yeah, I, I was commentating a chess boxing event in Paris last September. Mm-hmm. Uh, I reached out uh, when I found out that he was planning his own chess boxing event and hadn't made contact with anyone in the niche community that, that we have. Uh, he was just doing it independently. Um, he had recruited some of the biggest uh, Twitch and YouTube streamers in the world uh, to try out chess boxing for the first time. And uh, And so when I found out about it, I just sent him a DM and I said, hey, Here's a little bit of background on me. Um, consider me part of the team, you know, any way I can help. Uh, and this is where, where I, I really want to harp on. Don't just send a DM and make it all about you or ask. Just, you know, try to provide value. So I was like, you know, here's who I can get to the event. Here's how I can help match. Here's how I can help sell tickets or pay-per-views. Um, and, and I just ended it with, you know, here's my cell in case you want to talk. And, uh, within 24 hours, we were on a call. Right on. So you reached out to him, the, uh, the, the shot worked and, and then I saw the, um, <laughs> I saw you a little bit on his, on his stream. I think, uh, it kind of blew up everywhere. Can you tell me a little bit about how, how that was? Like, is that the first time you've been on a, on a televised stage to that many people? Or have you been in front of more? I think Love is Blind probably did more more impressions. I forgot about Love is Blind. <laughs> you were on that, dude. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think love is blind probably had a bigger global impact. Yeah. Um, but you know, in, in terms of live streaming, mm-hmm. uh, Ludwig's event, chess boxing event, one live stream event of the year, it had the most concurrent viewers ever on YouTube. And it was the most viewed Whoa. chess chess event of all time, more than any world championship. So it, it didn't only eclipse anything we had done in chess boxing. It eclipsed anything anyone had ever done in chess, which I, I think is significant. Um, so, yeah, I think probably what you're talking about is the first stream he looped me into was a charity stream where I punched him for charity. And uh, that, that he was that wearing was, he was wearing a um, a big pad. A and you, yeah. yeah, you you took a, a big was it a right hand? Yeah. Yeah. I gave him a right hook. I, I mean, I, I still have that. I brought that guard, you know, because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, understandably. So didn't want to take like a, a full shot, but you can't feel anything through that. So we actually ended up taking off the guard and just not punching full power, but he wanted to feel like what, you know, 40% fit felt like then 50%, then 60%. And I let him hit me as hard as he could. And, um, you know, all, all of that was well, supposed to be like a 20 minute bit in this charity live stream mm-hmm. um you know which, which would have been it, it's 20 minutes over the course of 50 hours he was live for 50 hours to raise over three hundred thousand dollars for charity so 20 minutes and five hours is like that's a little exposure mm-hmm. i ended up being in the tank with him for over five hours so it, it turned into like a long form podcast i ended up mm-hmm. waxing his armpit for another like fundraising milestone we played chess in there we you know tried punching each other again it was all kinds of stuff that was basically my introduction to the streaming world through the platform of the biggest streamer in the world mm-hmm. um he, he was the most subscribed on twitch of all time at the time uh, and a guy named kai sanat just passed him last month um so you know in terms of like people i could partner with not only to uh, you know, get chess boxing out there, but, but also, you know, that to develop a personal platform, mm-hmm. literally no one I could have, you know, partnered with that, that would have been bigger or better. And, yeah. um, and so, you know, the, that was a dream hack weekend, um, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, which was in November. So it ended on Sunday on Monday, I went live for the first time and over a hundred thousand unique people came through the stream, which launched my Twitch, uh, which, you know, I, I've been streaming at least, uh, three times a week and and more often like five times a week ever since uh, November when, when Ludwig launched my, my career. Yeah. What do you like about streaming most as a creator? I think it's the future. Uh, there, there's nowhere you can have more direct access to the um, fill in the blank, celebrity, leader, fitness instructor, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can ask questions in real time. Uh, you can see your questions pop up and other people in the community can interact with them. It is so much more real time and responsive and addictive than anything else uh, because you you end up forming communities around people, which are essentially just like concentrated ideas. So you, you have these different streamers that represent different expressions of humanity mm-hmm. and that do different things. And that acts as a magnet to other like-minded people. And, uh, and, and this, this phenomenon that's happening on Twitch started to catch during COVID because everyone was stuck inside, but it's only continued to get bigger and bigger. And we have a generation growing up with it right now that never does anything in their life without a Twitch stream up in the background. And I think that's significant when you think about investing time and resources in platforms that are going to have longevity. Probably don't invest in Instagram. Probably don't invest in Facebook. 
uh, and probably start to invest in things like TikTok, which is the present and will decline just like Instagram did, or things like live streaming and, and various ways to live stream because it's, it is what is on the rise. And, and with you being, you being someone that's live streaming, I mean, are you, are you kind of, is it kind of like, like regular accounts on other platforms where you're like niching down into a specific thing, or is it just literally everything Matt? So I, I got hired by chess.com to host a weekly talk show. I play a lot of chess because a segment of my audience is chess or chess boxing focused. And then all of my content has wellness built in. So I always take breaks in between games. I do desk stretches. I do breath work. I do guided meditations. Sometimes I do full on workouts. They're always short form, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, But uh, all of those things are the foundation that the stream is built on. And then on top of that, I can variety game. I can do a playthrough of an old game. Uh, I I can do, I can try out a new game and, you know, people can watch me suck at a first person shooter. Uh, I can play other uh, strategy games that are tangential to chess so that I'll have a little bit more innate ability at. I'm in the middle of a, a $20,000 team fight tactics tournament right now, which is an auto chess uh, that that box box put together, who was one of the biggest creators that was in the mobile chess boxing championship. And that's how I got in touch with him. So the, these, um, the, the streaming world right now is, is pretty insular. Like you're, you're, if you're connected to one of the big guys, you, you, you can pretty much get connected to about anyone else for collaborations, for co-streams and, and what I, what value I try to provide these people in lieu of an audience as big as them is I try to provide the, the health and wellness expertise to be able to, to be, to have them be a conduit for, for living a healthier, better life for their audience. So I'll pop on and, and do a break with them in between a game, um, you know, get some exposure, get some followers, they get, you know, content that's programmed for them, uh, and they get their, their audience to benefit from a, a little bit of movement or breath. Yeah. Sounds like a more collaborative environment than YouTube itself or than any of these other platforms. Maybe. I mean, I, I think, um, I think the real ones are always down to collaborate. I, I think that's where, um, all, all growth and goodness happens is in collaboration, um, yeah. which, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty anti-competition these days. I, there's, there's been other boxing promoters that have seen me as competition with Brawl for a Cause. I've always tried to partner with those people. Um, it's very rare that I try to like, you know, uh, beat someone in, in business or streaming or whatever. Yeah. It just makes a lot more sense to work together build your own adventure and uh, look at other people as something that can add to the overall. Sure. So, so the, um, I definitely thought that the, the chess boxing, um, the chess boxing with Ludwig was the video that I saw. I think I saw the charity one. Cause I remember the big, the big pad mm-hmm. now between the time that you did that and, and the, the chess boxing event that he put on with, with other people, other streamers and what have you, I mean, how much time is in between that? Is that like this year? Was that, a couple months ago when when was that yeah so so the charity live stream happened late november okay. and the uh the, the mogul chess boxing championship happened early december and i had 13 days in between the two and i knew that i was going to get another wave of exposure and, mm-hmm. and momentum through the chess boxing event so i streamed every single day between the charity stream and the chess boxing event so 13 days in a row uh, I, I streamed over 90 hours, so it was over a full-time job. 
Mm. And uh, and I ended up earning affiliate in seven days and Twitch partner in 12 days, which for frame of reference, usually that takes like two to four years for uh, a, twi- a Twitch, a career Twitch streamer uh, to earn. Yeah. OK, <laughs> so you said wonderful opportunity. This was cool. I'm going to jump in it right now because I know I'm about to be back on stage again. And so I'm not going to squander the uh, the opportunity. Kind of an, another crossroads where like came in touch with some cool people and provided value and I have an opportunity to kind of take off over here. The symptom of, of self-awareness. It, you know, yeah. I knew it was in line with my life path, with my purpose, mm-hmm. with my passions. I knew it was a massive opportunity that doesn't come around every day. And I've structured my life in such a way to be able to lean into new different opportunities that if you had a full-time job, you couldn't stream like a full-time job on a day's notice. Um yeah. So, you know, I, I, I've built my life in such a way to be able to be open, resilient, reactive, and, uh, and to recognize opportunity and lean into it. Yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough. So, I mean, you, you've mentioned self-awareness a ton here. Now, I know that yoga probably keeps you grounded, right? But what are the things, especially as, as us being men um, and it kind of being a, oh, man, you, you know, energy is kind of a weird thing. I mean, what else do you use on a on a consistent basis to stay grounded and stay self-aware? I've been journaling since I was, I was 19, uh, pretty much every day. Um, and if, if I don't journal every day, I, I account for, uh, every day or every week of, you know, what happened, how I feel about it. Uh, it's a, it's a good release. Um, self-awareness doesn't activate through just the act of journaling. You, you need a review process. So, uh, the, the first time that I, reviewed my journal Mm -hmm. was during a a depressive episode and after a breakup Mm -hmm. uh i i started reading my old journals to reminisce about the relationship that i missed Mm -hmm. uh but what i found was other depressive cycles because i'm wired uh depressed i'm 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 wired um you know uh past focused and uh i i need um motivation self or or otherwise in order to get up get moving so i I found these other cycles when i would i would fall into these these patterns of of depression and how i got out of them and and it was the first time i saw the the usefulness of journaling it basically makes a a a recipe or a a, um an instruction manual to to living your own life it's not like self-help that's you know the lowest common denominator for everyone so that they can become a bestseller. It is, it is yours, you yourself being the author of what works and what doesn't. And, and when that shifted in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm never stopping journaling. And I'm going to refer back to inevitably when new levels or new cycles come up in my life, I can refer back to old ones and it'll be a little bit harder and a little bit different in every level and, and cycle because that's how life works. We're, we're playing a role-playing game video game. We're, we're going to face harder bosses. We're going to have more dynamic side quests, but it, it's going to be more of the same, just a little bit more complicated. And um, and and your own experience is the best way to, to draw from that and, and overcome it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it started with journaling, but it, 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 evolved to, you know, knowing that uh, everyone can benefit from help. Everyone can benefit from coaching. Everyone can benefit from an expert that can weigh in on 
fill in the blank. I have a chess coach for my chess. I have a boxing coach for my boxing. I hire a mechanic to fix my car. I have a therapist to help me sort through everything psychological uh, that I'm, I may be missing. And uh, that's something that I do with uh, partners, with, with exes, you know, before I decide to call it, we're going through, through therapy to, to figure out how to end the relationship in a good way. Um, and, be, you know, before I uh, decide to stop talking to a family member, I'm going through therapy to, to, to figure out why I feel this way, if this is, you know, seasonal or temporary, or if this is something that is the source of a pattern that I want to stop in my life. Um, and so that there's that knowledge cultivation through journaling. There's that action on the knowledge through whether it's therapy or, or having tough conversations with loved ones. Uh, and, and then, you know, and then the, the openness, the, the resilience, the adaptability to let your life change after, you know, if, if you, if you cut a parent out of your life, uh, that there's space that is created both energetically and, and emotionally, what fills that space? Now do you have more space to welcome in a, a good life partner that's fit for you instead of life partners that resemble the parent that you're working through trauma with? Okay. Well, let go of the bad ex-girlfriend let go of the parent that that resembled that ex-girlfriend and welcome in a, a perfect life, life partner. Hmm. Yeah, that really sounds like learning, like learning as opposed to, to just repetition uh, of old patterns. Um, that's, that's very well said, Matt. Very well said. I, I appreciate you just sharing. Passing it along, it's, it's not, nothing I came up with. It's, uh, it's been used by humans for uh, millennia. Yeah, is so. So you have a you have coaches in these other places. You have a you have a therapist to help you work through thoughts. Is there a an author or an artist that you go to for inspiration yeah. or or intellectual um, stoking there? So we 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 lost one of my uh, favorite authors, philosophers. Um, Named Thich Nhat Hanh uh, over the pandemic, um, but he, he writes on mindfulness. Uh, he's a, a, a Buddhist monk, um, and um, and yeah, he, I mean, he changed my life. Like I, I, uh, I, I've been open about this in the past, but I'll say it again. There, there were there were there were times in my life where I was suicidal and attempted my own life, and one of the ways that I rebuilt. Uh, you know, my, my mindset and, and, uh, and self-worth was through his writings. So I, I started with happiness uh, by Thich Nhat Hanh. And then uh, fear is something that I reread. He, he basically picks a, a, a core human emotion uh, or, or element of humanity and then does a hundred mile deep dive into it and breaks it down into how it, it, it appears in um, every word, every step everything. So it's, it's, he is definitely my most gifted author. Um, when, when I talk to friends that are going through something, uh, which tends to happen a lot, especially now, um, I, I gift, I gift his books, uh, and, and he, he generally has one for whatever they're going through. Uh, he spent his life writing them. So, um, I, I really like him. And then I reread two books every year. One is, uh, the alchemist by, uh, Paulo Coelho. And um, I, I think The Alchemist is a great book that um, 
helps you believe in the meaning of life. It helps you uh, believe that that your life can have purpose. And it helps you uncover what that purpose could be. And then I read um, Man's Search for Meeting by Viktor Frankl. Um, and that is that is to eradicate victim mindset. Um, Viktor Frankl was a Holocaust survivor who uh, created a, a branch of psychology that uh, has helped me and, and helped a lot of people that is, is built around reframing. Um, so he, he reframed his Holocaust experience from woe is me uh, to this experience is going to help me help millions. Um, and I think both are, are really important things to have in mind, especially if you don't want to commit suicide. Uh, one is my, my life has meaning. And two is I'm not a victim. This is happening to me. Uh, you take that to me and you change it to for me. And if, if it's happening for you and it's happening for your purpose, then everything is progress. Yeah. That um, I didn't know that that level of um, that that side of psychology came from from him. I mean, that reframe is the same thing that Jocko Willink talks about. Same thing David Goggins talks about. Same thing a lot of people like extreme ownership is foundationally built upon. It's victor, not victim, all day, every day. There you go. That is wow. Yeah, I uh, I have that on my on my shelf actually per your recommendation. I think one day I was asking for book recs, and that's the one you gave me um, Frankel. And so I bought it I haven't gone through it, but I think I'm going to need to. Um, so I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, man, but I, I do really appreciate you being here. And, and I wanted to, uh, to also kind of circle back to something that I know has been near and dear to your heart that I haven't heard about in a while. What's going on with brawl for a cause these days? Yeah. So we, we have, uh, an, an event in the works for the first time in, in three years. So we, we lost about $50,000, during a, uh, a an event that was supposed to happen in 2020, um, deposits we didn't get back, money we had already spent on marketing, and it put us in a position where we couldn't have an event on the same level as our 2018 and 2019 events, which were in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the Georgia World Congress Center, and we didn't want to come back in a in a smaller way. Um, and we found a way to to make it work, uh, and and. Both my partner and I have a lot more going on in life. He he has since become a father. Uh, I have other projects that I'm working on. And so uh, it feels God sent that um, the way that this next event is coming together is is doing it. I mean, there, there were times where I thought, okay, you know, Brawl for Calls was a chapter of my life. Uh, it was it was my 20s. It was where I learned entrepreneurship and philanthropy, which will both be a part of my life for the rest of my life. And I, I was at peace with it. Uh, you know, with, with it stopping there um, or living on through through other projects. But uh, but I'm, I'm I'm really excited that we can bring it back in its old form on the same scale. And uh, and we'll be announcing a date and ways to sign up here in the next. Uh, not sure when this is going to come out, but in the next few days or weeks, depending on when this, this will be out. Released. This will be out on Monday. So, <laughs> OK, yeah. So people that are listening to this a few weeks down the down the path, you'll hear more information, huh? Yep. Okay. Okay. And you're excited about it? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of work, um, but it, it's, it's always work I cherish and I, and I never regret uh, how much it takes to go in that, that goes into one of these events. 
Um, so it's it's gonna be a blast, man. Yeah. Is uh is Fez still involved? Of course. Chris. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Chris is is involved in every project that I'm I'm doing and is a is a partner. Um he, he has equity in everything I'm working on because he's one of those ride or dies that flies with you over to India to film you fighting in the chess boxing world championship and is always there to pick up the the phone when you call and, and have a crazy idea. So love yeah. uh love Chris Castillo. Yeah, solid, solid dude. Well, I um I wanna uh I want to maybe in there, man. We'll uh, we'll have to do it again. I, I really, I truly appreciate you making the time to do this, man. It it <laughs> it, uh, it means a lot. I know it's been a long time coming. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave everyone with on where they can find you, how they can get connected with the non just feminine facing yoga that is fight and flow? Right? Where can people go to get connected? Uh, the majority of our audience is men, so like. How can people get plugged in with you? How can they be a part of Brawl and everything else you got going on? Yeah, so um, I'm going live right after this on uh, at Moving with Matt. So it's twitch.tv backslash Moving with Matt. Um, that's home base right now. And right. I changed all of my other social media handles to Moving with Matt with one T. So if you, if you want to connect any other way, I'm active on, on all of them and it's all the same name. Um, if you want to check out Fight and Flow, it's fightandflow.co, no M, fightandflow.co. And, uh, and you'll see information on Brawl for a Cause on, on all my channels uh, when, it, when it is ready to be released. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, I really appreciate you being here, man. And uh, I'm going to cut the recording there, but thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to, uh, to seeing everything that's coming with Brawl for a Cause. Thanks, brother. Yeah, thanks for holding space. And, and uh, I'm excited to see what, what comes with us. Absolutely. Appreciate you.